Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 66. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. It's December, for better or for worse, but mostly for worse. We are looking at snow out the window. I no longer feel like we have jumped the gun or that we are ahead of schedule now that we are talking about Christmas films on this show. I was already in a Christmassy mood because we were recently in the parks and obviously nothing is better than Disney during the holidays. You get all the great decorations, but yes, now we've got, can't even say it's a white Christmas. It's still, it's still 21 days away until Christmas Eve. Well, if you believe what you hear... I don't think we're going to have to worry about not having a white Christmas. I think we're just going to have a whiteout winter, really from now until probably Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, you guys might get a lot of bonus episodes this year because we're not going to have anything else to do. No, we're going to be snowed in. As if we were in the North Pole, which is where this week's show takes place. We are talking about Noel. This is a Disney original, a Disney Plus original, straight to the uh, streaming service. This was a day one film. And this was one of those movies that when we saw the trailer months ago, even though I was not ready for Christmas films back in the summer, this one I was actually very excited for. Yeah, the cast really had me excited. You've got Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader and Shirley MacLaine, too. Yeah, and Billy Eichner, who was Timon in the live-action remake of uh, The Lion King <clears throat> that came out earlier this year. So Disney starting to recycle some of their talent. It's not anything that is uncommon for the company, but to see Anna Kendrick again, because I don't think we've seen her in a Disney film since Into the Woods. Has she done one since? I don't and not one that comes to mind, at least. No, I don't think so. You know what I think we're thinking of is because we had such a strong case for her as Ariel. I think that's why Didn't we feel work. like it's more recent. Didn't work. <laughs> and now twice they've made the Little Mermaid, and neither time was she Ariel. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I still, I still wish she was. Yeah, but she was Noel. We got her as as Noel, the daughter of Santa Claus. Which is fine. That's fine with me. You want to just launch right into it here? Well, I do want to preface. Okay. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, we do this show every week and we review far back into the catalog. We review things that are more recent, but we kind of assume that like most of our audience has seen like 90% of the films. In this case, it is a newer film. We're still going to give it the full treatment, so there will be spoilers. Not that there's anything big to spoil. I mean, this is a Christmas movie, guys. Made by Disney. We find out that Santa's Jewish. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's nothing really big to spoil. But if you want to maybe check out the film first, go watch Noel and then circle back to this episode. Yes. Well done. I don't need to be getting angry emails. All right, so when the film opens, we meet Noelle Kringle, whose favorite night of the year is Christmas Eve because she loves waiting for Santa, better known to her as Dad, to come down the chimney and celebrate the holiday with his family. This year, he gives her brother Nick a hat, which he will one day wear when he takes over as Santa Claus. That day comes way too soon when Chris Kringle passes away five months... Yeah, I said there would be spoilers. Five months before Christmas, and Nick has yet to complete his training. Noelle helps by coaching Nick with chimney entry, determining who is naughty or nice, and figuring out what gifts to get people. The stress of filling his father's shoes in time for the holiday proves to be too much, so at the suggestion of Noelle, Nick takes a vacation, from which he does not return. Again, spoilers, sorry. In the meantime, their cousin Gabe is elected to fill in as Santa. With the entire North Pole mad at her, Noelle tracks down her brother in Phoenix, Arizona. She takes the sleigh, reindeer, and elf Polly for supervision, and they arrive in the middle of a mall in Phoenix. They are immediately caught by mall security, and the manager, Helen, plans to take action until it is pointed out to her by her love interest what a great promotion this is and how much shoppers are loving it. Polly stays with the reindeer while Noelle goes off in search of her brother. 
She sort of hires a private investigator, Jake, a recently divorced father who agrees to help her even though she can't pay him with actual money. Before they begin the search, Noel meets Jake's son, Alex, who is nice and promises him that he will get his Christmas wish of his entire family spending the holiday together. Back at the North Pole, Gabe is using algorithms to sort out the naughty and the nice children in order to reduce the number of homes he actually has to visit. After weeding out the children with bad dental hygiene and liars, the amount of children... <laughs> I am... Here's the thing. It's as funny in the movie as it sounds as you read this out loud. And because it's Billy Eichner, it's even better. I'm sorry that I interrupted that. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but it's it's a necessity. So after he weeds out all of the naughty children, the amount of nice is reduced down to 2,837. Mrs. Claus is very upset, so she sends the last of the reindeer, a baby named Snow Cone, down to Phoenix to let Noel know what is going on and how badly she needs to find Nick. Noel has managed to track down Nick at his new job as a yoga instructor, and they get in a big argument over his responsibility. Nick disappears on a yoga retreat out in the desert, but with the help of Snow Cone, Noel manages to track him down again and shows him the letter from their mother. After reading it, Nick agrees to try again, so this time Noel has him train as a mall Santa to see if he can figure out who is naughty or nice. She leaves Nick with a child in his lap to go talk to Jake, who has come down to confront her about Alex's Christmas wish. Jake is angry Noel promised Alex would get his wish as his ex-wife is now remarried and it would be too awkward to spend the holiday altogether. Noel confesses everything to Jake about who she is and why she is sure Alex will get his wish, then gets pulled away when the real mall Santa accosts Nick for sitting in his chair. The police arrive to break up the argument, but Noel gets aggressive, so the police take her in and after she and Nick try to explain everything to them, they send her for psychological evaluation. Polly needs help to save Noelle and get everyone back to the North Pole, so she goes and explains everything to Jake, who finally believes her when she shows him her ears. Jake interrupts Noelle's evaluation and helps her escape just in time for Polly and Nick to bring the sleigh around. They return to the North Pole, where Gabe has run the entire operation into the ground, and the North Pole has lost hope of getting the presents delivered. Before the entire town, Nick confesses that he is not up for the job, but Noelle can save Christmas, and she should be the next Santa. There is some debate about a female Santa, but after Noelle delivers a very passionate speech about what Christmas means to her, everyone agrees that she should be Santa. Noelle puts on the suit, which is too big for her, and boards the sleigh alone this time and heads out to deliver the presents. After a few mishaps, such as skipping over Greece and entering the home of a Jewish family, Noelle visits Phoenix and gives gifts to some of the other people she met during her time there and realizes that she can do this. Now that she believes in herself, the Santa suit shrinks down to her size and she finishes her route at Alex's mother's house where she brings him his gift, which is Jake. Noelle returns to the North Pole where Gabe is happily back doing tech support. Nick has opened up a yoga studio and she appoints Polly as her elder elf to help her as she continues her father's legacy as the 24th generation Kringle. And oh my garland, this movie is jolly. Oh my garland never gets old. No, it really doesn't. Um, it's cute. It's a really cute it movie. It is. I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward in terms of the plot. It's not anything that's earth shattering. It's not anything that has any huge plot twist. I mean, that's not to say that the trailer gave the good parts away, though certainly what you see in the trailer is exactly what this movie is. See, I don't think so, because when I first saw the trailer, I had some like serious 90s vibes going, and I thought there was going to be like a lot more like silliness and maybe a bit more physical comedy. So I think I was kind of missing that a little bit. I mean, I wasn't expecting Home Alone, you know? I wasn't expecting them to be, like, tripping over decorations and irons to fall on their face. Right. But I thought, I don't know, a couple of spills on some ice or something like that. I thought I thought the physical comedy would be a little bit more. Yeah, there's hardly any physical comedy at all, actually, come to think of it. Other than um, her mishaps with the sleigh a little bit and other than Bill Hader sort of being a hypochondriac, although it's not really physical in any way 
It is, yeah. It's so you're right. It looks like it's going to be that zany, wacky's ninety chic, and it doesn't really end up being that. It's more sitcommy. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it is sort of like watching an extended sitcom, or like if your favorite sitcom did like a three part Christmas episode, right? And then like you know, like you'd get it on VHS tape, but they would put it all together. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of the feel of this film. And that's that's not a knock against it. Right. But it's just not as funny as I really wanted it to be. There's a couple of like gut-punching lines, but then that's about it. It wasn't funny throughout. It's not, you know, it's not like the Santa Claus where like everything that happens you've got so much comedy jammed into every scene. I don't think it's the dialogue that makes the film funny as much as it is the cast. Like the oh my garland thing never gets old. The Christmas puns and and, and there are tons of yeah. Christmas puns in this movie um that don't get old. Like you have the Christmas choir that just pops up and starts like interjecting their opinion or narrating what is happening in real life through Christmas songs. That doesn't get old, but it's the cast more than it is anything else that I think really makes the movie work. Yeah, because those Christmas puns should have been exhausted, but they weren't. They were still funny. They were they were placed very well. Yeah. I think um, Anna Kendrick as Noelle, she's got pep, but she's also funny, and she knows how to toe the line. Like, you're right. The puns... And the Christmas chic should have been played out after the first five minutes. And I feel like if it had been anybody but her, it probably would have been. There was, I think, a very high risk of her coming off like Reese Witherspoon as Elle Woods, especially with those outfits. Yeah. And thankfully, she wasn't nearly as annoying. I agree. I think she was perfect, especially once she got to Phoenix Arizona, as she called it. And we've seen the fish out of water thing done a thousand times where somebody doesn't understand. It's like the Buzz Lightyear thing where they don't understand that they're not in the little fantasy world that they believe that they're in. Or in her case, it's the fantasy world we think exists. But for her, it's reality. See, I think that's where they missed the mark on the comedy a little bit, because by all intents and purposes, this should have been like My Cousin Vinny, or it should have been like Elf, where that's the thing. They didn't play up the fish out of water as much as it's done in those other two films that I just mentioned. I mean, they they do a little bit because she takes everything so literal as it's supposed to be in the North Pole, like when they're in the grocery store and she's she's you know, picking apart the little Christmassy chachities and the decorations and she's saying they're not accurate and she's like, oh, this is offensive. Or, um, you know, she's playing with the slushy machine and she's getting slushy all over the place. Um, so th- that and the fact that she... Uh, really, it's just that scene and the fact that she's dressed for the North Pole in Phoenix, you don't really get much more fish out of water than that. And I think that's something where... You know, aside from having the reindeer with her, they could have played it up a lot more throughout the rest of the film. Well, I think the whole fish out of water thing with her specifically, though, is that she's running into all of these jaded people that are no longer believing in Santa Claus and just think that she's a wacko. That is a good point. Yeah. And that that also does not get played out for all intents and purposes. It should but I think that it's a compliment to her and the way that she played it because she is sweet and she is innocent and she has almost a childish charm when it comes to her love of Christmas. It's almost similar to Charlie from The Santa Claus where they're so invested in Christmas as a holiday but in the Christmas spirit in general. And and similarly, in that movie, 
people think that he's making this whole thing up because he's telling people his father is Santa Claus. I actually think that they do parallel each other more so than I even had thought, Not the more that I think about it now. Well, in this case, Santa doesn't get pushed off a roof, but he still dies. He still dies, and it's a Disney film, so we have to kill a parent. Again, there are certain tropes that we have followed and continue to follow, and, and Santa Claus is in the crosshairs. Yeah, really. This time they don't just off a parent. They kill Santa. I do want to, because, you know, we, we've talked about the character, and I do think the character's great, but as far as getting there and getting her to Phoenix, there are a few things I feel with the setup that don't necessarily jive. Okay. And as you said about Santa... I think there is, I mean, obviously we have an idea in our heads of what Santa looks like, but I feel like there's too much of an age gap between him and his children. And I don't know if we're supposed to just assume like in the Santa Claus where if you put in on the suit, you turn into the big guy and you're just supposed to look like that no matter what age you are. Um, but that kind of gets disproved at the end of the movie because Noel does become Santa. But um, I feel like, especially in that beginning scene where they flash back to her as a child waiting for him to come home on Christmas Eve, he's still older. You know, he's got the long white beard. So I feel like we should have seen him like a little bit younger at that point. And then maybe as they do the time jump and they show all the pictures, then we see an aging Santa. Because to me, it just looks like Santa and Mrs. Claus, who also looks younger, had kids like way later in life. But especially because Julie Haggerty has aged incredibly. Yes. She looks just like she did in What About Bob? And that movie was 30 years ago. No, she looks amazing. She looks unbelievable. And not like has had work done unbelievable. It's just there's hardly a wrinkle on her. Exactly. So when you have her playing the mother of Bill Hader and uh, Anna Kendrick, I buy that. But Right, next, she looks right. But next to the husband, he looks like, you're right, he, he looks like he should be so much older than he really is. To be fair, though, if they didn't age him and he didn't look like what we expect Santa to look like, then I would have been like, eh, you missed the mark. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like unless you were going to make her very old and sort of haggard herself i don't know that there was a right way to do this right but but for the flashback at least you didn't have to do traditional santa you could have done maybe a little bit younger looking i don't know i mean it's really the only time you see him in the movie true because bill Hader has be is becoming santa claus and he's still very young and even when, well, when Gabe becomes Santa Claus, though, his hair does go silver. But I don't know if he dyed it that way. I think that's it's, his take on, like, hipster Santa. I think so. Like, it's sort of ambiguous. They don't really say how it happened, but though I got the feeling that he dyed it on his own. Regardless of the age gap, I do like the idea that they set up here of inheriting Santa as the family business. And I, I think it was really clever to go with Kringle as the last name. Yeah, I, th I like the setup here. I know that you had said that you were kind of hot and cold on it, but I, I like this entire setup. I agree with you. I like that it's a family business. I like that Gabe is involved as the cousin. But I do like Anna Kendrick telling Bill Hader, hey, why don't you take a couple of days, blow off some steam, and then he just disappears and never comes back and goes to the hottest place that he can find. It, it plays out like a Jimmy Buffett song. You know how many songs he's written that are that exact thing? Yeah. Of, just... I'm going to take the weekend off, and then I never come back. It's true. The weather is here. I wish you were beautiful. Except it's yoga instead of margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it works. It works for Bill Hader. I bought him in that role. I bought him as in that hipster sort of role. I mean, Billy Eichner definitely has the hipster thing going, but... Bill Hader talking about his chakra because I just feel like these are <laughs> things that we've seen him do on Saturday Night Live so many times that for him it sort of translates it almost translates too well to the point where I don't know if Bill Hader actually acts or if he just shows up and does his thing which is it's so interesting that you say that because watching him in this I bought it so much it it like dawned on me in an instant and I was like, oh, my God, this is Stefan, who is 
hands down my favorite SNL character of all time. I mean, I I was obsessed every time he would come on Weekend Update. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Exactly. Um, and and I, I forgot, you know, like it wasn't, you know, I was watching Bill Hader and I, I just believed him so much in this role. Like it, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about his other skits and his other body of work. Well, I think what makes him so believable in this is that he's not convincing at all as a Santa Claus. Yes. You can't buy him as Santa. That's what makes this a success. From a casting standpoint down to a character that carries over to story. Here's where it doesn't jive with me, though. I believe him not being up for the challenge and not being up for the task, but... I feel like it might have been a better conflict if Noel was withholding information from him instead of trying to help him. Because this is where I feel like it starts to fall apart a little bit. And the, the, as adults, they didn't necessarily, the character traits weren't the same as when they were kids. Because when they were kids, you know, he, he gets the hat from his dad. He knows he's got the giant shoes to fill one day. And Noelle, she's making Christmas cards. She wants to see her dad come down the chimney. There's even a, there's a really good one-off line about how, you know, we still got the full treatment from dad, even though, you know, they were in the North Pole and they weren't necessarily getting their presents delivered to them. So she's been all rah-rah Christmas and you start to see here and there that she's picked up a couple of traits. Like, she does know who's naughty and nice, and she does know what people want. But she also asks her dad, what is my role? What can I do? You know, Nick gets to be Santa. Gabe is doing all his tech stuff. So she does feel out of place, and they don't really continue on with that because by the time she's an adult she's just helping her brother so I feel like it almost would have been a better conflict if she was just kind of sitting back on it and and letting him run himself into the ground or if she was um maybe not even letting himself run into the ground so much as it is that she was trying to help him without helping him like trying to give him the aha moment where he figures it out on his own or maybe like she's planting hints and she's doing tasks behind his back and he thinks he's doing it the whole time because she's hoping that he can come to the realization that he has done these things. Exactly, as opposed to coaching him. And that's what would have made more sense was, you know, if she's getting frustrated because she's doing all of the work anyway. And that's where, because by the time this comes full circle and they're like, well, Santa can't be a girl, then you could understand why she's so much more upset because she's been put on the back burner. And I mean, he, uh, Bill Hader even has a line where it's, you just make cards, you, you've not been me, or whatever it is he says, I'm paraphrasing, but he kind of takes a shot at her, saying you've basically done nothing but fluff work. Right, and and that's her relationship to Polly, too, is that, you know, Polly's their, she's like their housekeeper, their nanny, and she says, she's like, you, you couldn't do anything without me, because she's, you know, she's a grown woman, she's not doing her laundry, Polly still brings her breakfast every morning. So that's the thing, like, they didn't play up the spoiled brat thing enough either because at the same time, she's a Kringle and she is supposed to be happy and she is supposed to embody the Christmas spirit. So I kind of feel like they had to pick a side and they didn't really do that. Right, because she's not a brat. That's the thing. She has traits that would lead you to believe that perhaps she is, but she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. Exactly. Like, she's entitled, but she doesn't really act upon it. The only time is once after her brother disappears and Gabe inherits Santa, like, she doesn't get her Kringle discount, as she says, and she's got to wait for a reservation to go drink a hot chocolate. So you can see where... You know, the name can't... She's used to the name carrying her, but she's never really asked for anything because of it. Yeah. Because she's sort of just gotten accustomed to the way things are. I guess you could argue that it's like you don't know what you got till it's gone, but 
That's it's not really the point. Here. No, it's it's totally different here. And you're right. She's helpless in many ways because Polly does so much for her, but that doesn't mean that she's a weak character. She's exactly. never left her bubble. So I can see where she's she's a fleshed out character. I, I do believe that she is. Oh, for sure. But she's she's imperfect. I just yeah, I just feel like we needed a little bit more conviction with some of the personality traits. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. Speaking of her bubble, um, I think this is a really good take on the North Pole. I like that it's like a ski town. It looks kind of like a hybrid between like Whoville and what you'd see in a Hallmark movie, but it yes. doesn't go either way towards one side, which which I think was a really smart choice. I just wish the whole town would have been more involved. Like, it looks like a town you could visit, and there's like a bake shop, and there's a cafe and whatnot, but I kind of wish that this entire town was so like gung-ho Christmas 24-7, like that everything in there served a purpose towards Christmas like everything was a toy shop or everything was making holiday treats or decorations or something like that and this was a big gripe that you had with Halloween Town was the same thing was you have a town dedicated to the holiday but people kind of went about their daily lives like they had jobs and they had responsibilities and it wasn't all about Halloween all of the time I like order (laughs) well I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> but the two of them are very similar in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, it's a Christmas movie. I would, Even with the stupid Hallmark movies, everybody is like so nuts for Christmas. Even Except for the one lead that ends up getting flipped at the end. Yes, that's going to leave town for their job or for something else. But First thing in the morning, I'm on the plane back to Albuquerque. But Christmas wins. Yeah. But that's what I wanted to see a little bit more of was that like everybody's just nuts for Christmas. Like they're all hopped up on candy canes 24-7. Right. I do think that the sets are great and I agree with you. But I think it towed the line well where it's not whimsical like in The Grinch, but they're not totally cheesy like you get in a Hallmark movie. And I feel like that would have played to the fish out of water a little bit more if everybody's just like brainwashed on Christmas. Right. Everybody... Up to and including uh, Cousin Gabe. But Cousin Gabe wants to do diff- Christmas in a, in a totally different way. Eichner is fantastic. He's probably, for me, the best character in the movie. It's such a brilliant subplot that he's trying to quantify Christmas and especially it's very timely too in the age of social media algorithms. Mm-hmm. I think that was such a perfect choice. But the way that they weeded it down to 2000 and change as far as nice children just for the sole purpose. I mean, this isn't even like in the Santa Claus when Tim Allen starts to come around to the idea that he has to take on this role. And he he starts asking questions like, how is this physically possible? How can I be everywhere? Armand Asante. <laughs> the list. <laughs> um, but he starts warming up to the idea and he's like, all right, let's say I do want to do this. How am I going to get to all those houses? Gabe doesn't even bother with that. It's like, we're going to do this as easily as possible and efficiently as possible. To be fair, they hijacked his sleigh and he doesn't have it. Right. So he has to think quick. And this is what he does because he's in tech and loving it, (laughs) as he made sure to tell us. But he creates this app. And the app is hilarious. Falala. And I thought that Falala was an incredible social commentary. Yes. On how things are quantified with algorithms and how we really do, even on the most basic level depend almost co-depend on technology and how we need a google to translate for us a google to answer the question and before that it was jeeves and there's an app for everything now right and it's like that was that was such a smart choice to 
make this a contemporary film because like with the Santa Claus, the whole thing was believing is seeing. No, seeing is believing. Right. And aside from the fact that we've seen that already, this was such a smart way to hit on the fact that, you know, it happens. People are busier now. You know, with social media, you see people are always out. They're doing something. And it's true with online shopping. People sometimes don't put as much thought into gift giving as they once did. Yeah. And he even at one point, I think uh, Mrs. Claus, which I I think I'm just going to call her Julie Haggerty because I don't know how to call her Mrs. Claus. Well, I mean, I guess she is Mrs. Claus. She is Mrs. Claus. She's Santa's wife. That's Mrs. Claus. Well, now Santa's her son. Oh, awkward. Yeah, a little bit, right? They never really address that. Oh. I guess she's Mrs. Kringle, and he's Santa Claus. There you go. I guess that's how it's differentiated. There you go. But even she has a line of, Gabe wants us to use something called Amazon Prime to deliver (laughs) gifts now? Yes. And it's it's true. It's funny because, you know, it's what we do, and obviously we know what these things are, but, like, it does really, you know, shine light on a topic of, like, are, are we just becoming so robotic that, like, Christmas is becoming more of a chore than, you know, ha- have we lost the spirit of Christmas is really what this is asking. Well, I th- and I think in, in short, the answer to that is yes. People have to go to work at one o'clock in the afternoon now on Thanksgiving Day so that 300 people waiting online outside can get a $7.25 toaster. It's absurd. Yes, you know, you, you start hearing... Santa Claus is in the mall before Halloween. The Halloween decorations come down at the mall before Halloween. Halloween decorations are yanked from the store and candy is put on clearance for half price a week before Halloween because on Halloween, Christmas. You used to decorate your house for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just that other thing that's in between Halloween and Christmas now. Oh, I was saying that this year. I miss the days where you had like fall decorations and you could pull out like the skulls and the the vampires and like the super Halloween specific stuff and and leave, you know, the leaves and the pumpkins out and it would serve as Thanksgiving decorations. Not anymore. They used to have turkey decorations. Exactly. That doesn't exist anymore. Well, there's some animal rights group that will be against turkey decorations, though. Yeah, soon enough. That turkey's enslaved. It's plastic. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. Yes, in short, I think that Christmas has become so commercialized that people are so obsessed with the bottom line that comes with the holiday season that they forget about what the holiday season is really about. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic, and I'm not going to sit here and pull out my Bible and give you a sermon. But let's not forget about why Christmas exists. No, and the film does a really good job of bringing that full circle because when Noelle is in Phoenix, the people that she encounters, it really does reinforce the spirit of Christmas with her because all she's ever known too was and and this is where it is a good juxtaposition with the character and the story does work even though you know we said that she needed to kind of draw more of a line she's only seen the business end of it she just knows that her father doesn't get to spend the holiday with her that's how she's grown up and he's out working on Christmas Eve so now she gets to see what it really means to people like when they I I love that they did this where they made her go to a shelter when she was looking for Nick we have not seen any Christmas movie I mean Home Alone touches on it a little bit where you've got the estranged grandfather the South Bend shovel slayer yes and he's gotta like go watch his granddaughter sing in church just to see her so that touched on you know, not everything is always shiny and perfect during the holidays. And then, you know, in Home Alone 2, he meets the pigeon lady. So they, they kind of touch on it slightly. But I feel like they brought a real issue into this film and they did it so tastefully. And they reminded everyone that not everybody gets a perfect Christmas and that there are people who 
you know, are victims of circumstance and they have to celebrate it in a different way. And what I really love is that, um, you know, one of the traits that Nick is supposed to inherit as Santa Claus is that he's supposed to be able, and it's one of his big concerns is how do I, how do I know, what if I don't speak their language? And Noelle says, you're just supposed to know. So the language that she had to understand and she just knew how to do it was sign language. And yeah. I thought that was such a beautiful scene. Yeah, that was the most heartwarming scene in the movie where she goes into the homeless shelter, not really realizing where, the, where she is, and she starts communicating with a girl who is deaf because she likes the pictures that she's drawing for Christmas. And what does the girl want for Christmas? For her mother to get a job. It, it, it just hit on so many different levels but again it wasn't i mean it was sad it does tug on your heartstrings a little bit but it wasn't over the top it didn't completely bring the movie down and i think it was just the whole scene was just such a smart choice and when when it circles back around towards the end of the movie and she goes back to the homeless shelter and she's been doubting herself because you're talking about some of the mishaps that she's had, not knowing how to land the sleigh properly and getting chased out of houses. Or you mentioned when you did the plot description. It's your favorite part. I spit wine across the room. Literally, <laughs> that as we're never happens. It. Alcohol never comes out of his mouth. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. She comes down the chimney, and there's the joke, there's the caricature of how people who don't celebrate Christmas celebrate Christmas. And it's. We get Chinese food and we go to the movies. We get Chinese food and we sit at home and watch a movie. She comes down the chimney, four people sitting on the couch with Chinese food containers, and I'm thinking to myself, they're not going to actually do this. And the father looks at her and says, we're Jewish. And she kind of like slinks back up. She totally recoils. Right back up the chimney. I spit wine across the room. It was hilarious and this movie does have and that's it does mix adult humor with humor that is child appropriate which they accomplish that in the santa claus as well a lot of that humor comes from uh shirley mclean she had a lot of those kind of i'm not going to call them off-color jokes but certainly jokes that a child would not understand but that scene in particular was very funny no and it's like you said you're like, is Disney really gonna? And then they do, and the the shock value is what hits so hard. It's very, very funny. It'll never be as shocking as it was seeing it the first time, but that doesn't mean it'll be any less funny. So she goes through all of this, and as she's back at this homeless shelter, not really believing in herself as Santa, and these pe- and a lot of people have said the old, "You're not Santa, Santa. You're, you're a girl. Santa Claus can't be." But she goes to this homeless shelter where these people have nothing. I mean, they don't have a thing. And she's They're in all the outfit sleeping in one big room. On cots. And they start saying, thank you, Santa. Merry Christmas, Santa. And she gets the twinkle in her eye that they had talked about earlier in the film. And all of a sudden, the suit starts to change shape. And it's more form-fitting on her. It doesn't look like she's wearing her father's clothes anymore. And that's the moment where she becomes Santa Claus. That's the, fil- that's the scene that makes the movie. The entire movie rests on the shoulders of that scene, and they pulled it off. Absolutely. And I really like that we got to see it play out because you think the big scene comes prior when Nick kind of passes the buck to her and says, I can't do this, but she can. And she makes this really impassioned speech about what she did learn in Phoenix. And most of it is, you know, what she learned with Jake and seeing what it's like for a child of a broken home to have to split the holiday. And as we said, the whole thing, the whole scene with the shelter. So you think that she's just learned what the spirit of Christmas is. And she's making this impassioned speech about like, okay, I know what I need to do now. And you could have rolled the credits at this point, but I like to, I like that they made it play out. I like to see that, you know, she wasn't perfect. She still had a couple of mistakes. She skipped an entire big city and she had to double back. But yes, for those moments too, and and to actually see her believe in herself, they really did a great job of mo- bringing this movie full circle. Without question. The jokes that, that they did circle back around to a couple of times sounds naughty. 
again, it worked. It was funny. It didn't get old. There's no like good or bad. It's always naughty or nice or it's never like, oh, cool. It's always jolly. Exactly. The yogurt pants scene, you saw it in the trailer. It's a little bit more drawn out in the film, but it does work. And again, it works because of Anna Kendrick. Right. I don't think, I'm not going to say nobody else could have pulled it off, but she did it in such a way where it didn't get old. No, and she didn't play it like totally clueless either. No, she played it as if I've like you're weird because you're saying yoga pants, and this worked exactly. None of you can see what I just did with my hands, but if you watch the film, you'll understand what I'm talking about. She's adorable, and it works. What I really like too is that it stayed focused on her and this didn't end up being a love story because it kind of toes that line with Jake who is the private investigator that she hires um, who by the way could have been anybody this character is so one dimensional he's not really fleshed out very well he's just kind of monotone and blah he's like something out of the Hallmark movie it's the work-obsessed father who has a Trouble relating marriage. to his kid. Yeah, and just doesn't... It, you've seen it play out a hundred times. Yeah, so, I mean, he could have been anybody, but I'm glad that they didn't, that there was no romance between them, and it was just... I don't think having that storyline would have served this movie at all. No, and, and you get to a point where you think it's going to happen... And I'm just, I'm glad it didn't. I agree with you. I don't see how it would have worked. I think it would have cheapened the film. Yeah. This was, you know, it, really it's a movie about self-discovery more than anything else. Yeah. And especially because, you know, and there's a lot of controversy about this now, and I am going to take it here. Everyone's talking now about why can't Santa be a girl? And there's the commercial that came out probably within the past month or so where the little girl wants to be Santa and she goes to school and she like stuffs her yeah. her shirt so she's got the round belly and everybody's picking on her and you know then with this film coming out it's become a very hot topic and you know they address it in the beginning of the movie when she's like well what's my role and you know th- th- there's nothing that sa- th- this isn't like the movement for equal pay this isn't about it's not a question about you know can girls do anything a boy can do of course they can it's just that i i don't really understand what the argument is because you have santa and you have mrs claus it's not like girls were left out of the equation altogether right and maybe i don't have the right to say this because i'm a male but sometimes a character is what a character is. Exactly. I don't I'm not asking that the Little Mermaid be remade with Paul Rudd playing the lead. Exactly. Sometimes the character is what the character is. I don't want to see a Beauty and the Beast with a male bell. Because that's not how the character was written. I don't want to see Sleeping Beauty as a man. I don't want to see Cinderella as a man. Sometimes Santa Claus is just a man. That's how the character has been written, and some people make the, you know, somebody I know had this great argument, and in one sentence basically ends everything, and they're like, we're arguing about something that doesn't exist, so what's what's the argument here? And I get that point. I understand that. And there are some people that get on soapboxes for the sake of. But I feel like far too often... We need to make everything PC, and so many things become an apology of what they were a hundred years ago, and it's not necessary. And that's what I'm saying. This has to do with tradition. It shouldn't matter about boy or girl. And but that's where this film is really smart because yeah. could they have done this with two brothers, where you know the older brother who's supposed to inherit it is is inept, and the younger one is better? Sure, but you know. Disney did 
decide to do it female and they did address it in the beginning of the movie and she's like where do I fit in here and you know Nick is going to become Santa Claus and what can I do and by the end of it it really has nothing to do I mean yes when she has to go and deliver the presents the biggest question is what if they see me and what if they don't believe me because I'm a girl but it doesn't even matter anymore because it's about embracing who you are and she is Santa right the movie does it without preaching. Exactly. They they made a movie, they sent a message, but they didn't it didn't come across as we're gonna clean up this mess from the last hundred and fifty years. No, and this was not Disney's answer to the question about what about all these little girls who want to be Santa now. Right. I I think honestly, we're hearing so much about it because of this movie. Right. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I, you know, like I said, and, and this is the sad part of it, is I have to be very careful about what I say about this because I could just, I could easily trigger somebody. No, and I'm not, I'm not looking to, to you know, you know, I'm not looking for the hate emails and I, I don't want nasty, con- I'm not looking to spark a horrible debate. I'm, I'm saying Disney did a good job about addressing what is a controversial issue. Right. And for somebody like me that sits there and says we don't need to apologize for every single thing that doesn't fit into whatever cause we have now, I think that they did a great job of making a good movie with a good character. You sent the right message without it being on a soapbox. Exactly. They they told a story that had a lot of meaning, a lot of heart, and it did address a controversial issue without, as you said, being preachy. It's only become controversial in the last month. like Because it was, was made never, controversial. Because it was made controversial. Yeah. Because somebody had to find something to complain about last month, and, th- and they targeted Santa Claus. This has never been a problem. Never. Ever has this ever been a problem. But, and that's where a movie like this is ripe for the taking because maybe Disney wasn't trying to make a social commentary. They just wanted to make a fun movie where Anna Kendrick became Santa Claus because she's got a beautiful Christmas spirit. But it takes one group, it takes one person in the age of social media and you want to talk about social commentary and the way that the world is now. It only takes one and it goes viral. And people can easily, we see it happen every day, manipulate the most innocent of things and turn it into a cause. And it doesn't always have to be. But that's where this was so well done because it wasn't a cause and her argument was not, well, you didn't, Yeah, you're, you know, she wasn't sitting there pouting and it wasn't, well, I can't be Santa just because I'm a girl. It had to be because she was the better person for the job. Right, and they even tackle that in the film where they talk about, well, Santa Claus Santa Claus has always been a man, and they sit there and they say, well, it doesn't actually say that anywhere. Right. And the best person got the job. Yep. So kudos to Disney. They did it the right way. And they made a really cute Christmas movie doing it. Yeah. The only thing that they didn't accomplish here was proper CGI. Oh, Lord. Yeah, those reindeer were looking like the Santa Claus reindeer, but that was the 90s, so we can all look over that. But at least the reindeer in the Santa Claus were puppets. They were practical. Sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I wish I would have taken practical because some of the CGI here, specifically on Snow Cone, yeah. is really bad. And Snow Cone was cute. I like Snow Cone. It, I like the little relationship he had with Anna Kendrick. But the CGI was pretty rough. No, I would expect to see that in like a decom, but not here. Not when you've got the Mandalorian. And that's what we have as a comparison on Disney Plus. Not Come for on. anything. They're putting a lot more money into the Mandalorian than they put into Noel. Fair. Most of the money from this film went to pay the actors and actresses that they got to be in it. True. That's what I think. But in all, yeah, it's fun. It's cute. I think the outfits are great. The sets are fun. And I do like the characters. And I do like the message that the movie sends. 
about embracing yourself and the best person getting the job. I agree. Do I think that this is an instant classic? No, not necessarily. I think it's a cute film. I think it tells a great story. I think it hits on important issues. But like when I think Christmas movie, like I think Santa Claus. I mean, that's still, I've said it. It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I think the bar is set impossibly high on that one. The only movie that's come close to it in recent history is The Christmas Chronicles. That came on Netflix last year where Kurt Russell played Santa Claus. If you have not seen it yet, please you have to go, go watch do it. yourself a favor. you got to go watch it. It's hysterical. That was an instant classic. Yes. And I think, actually, Christopher Columbus made that movie. If memory serves correct, I think he had a hand in making that, and that's why it felt like a 90s Christmas film. Yeah, because there were so many nods to his other work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you're right, Home Alone, The Santa Claus, in more recent, The Christmas Chronicles. Will I watch this every year? I probably will, but I'll watch it once. I'll watch it once and move on. Whereas Home Alone, The Santa Claus, A Christmas Story. Even Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation is my favorite Christmas movie. These are movies I can watch. And I'll drop times. what I'm doing. If you know, if you're just scrolling through the channels, it's like, all right, put on some hot chocolate. That's it. Right. But on a one-off, I I would do this every year. But we're interested to know what you have to say. Have you watched the movie yet? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you think of the message that it sent? You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. We got some news this week. A lot of news dropped today, specifically. Yeah, so that's why we're running late with this episode. Yeah, I mean... It we was, did it on purpose. It was, yes, exactly right. It was one thing after another. We got a Black Widow trailer today. Had no idea that was coming. There's a lot of trailers that are supposedly dropping this week, and this is the first of them. We're, we're supposed to be getting a James Bond trailer tomorrow. There's a rumor that we're getting a Ghostbusters trailer this week. Yes, we realize that neither of those are Disney movies. It doesn't matter, because Sean's it's James excited. Bond and it's Ghostbusters. But actually, it does make sense that these trailers are starting to drop now because you're you're almost we're almost to 2020. Yeah, you're almost into 2020. And when you think about spring and summer releases, we talked about how the calendar just turned to December. You know, June is only, only six, six months, months away. Yeah. You're only five months from your or five and a half months from your Memorial Day weekend openings. So, yeah, you're going to start seeing this stuff now. But July of 2020, I'm excited to see it, Black Widow. I didn't think that she would be a character when they first introduced her, and I think that was in Iron Man 2. I didn't think she was going to be a character that I'd ever go and see a standalone movie on. But especially after Avengers Endgame... There's so much more happening with that character that I'm really interested to see because I like the trailer. I'm really excited to see what they do with her and giving her a standalone film. Even uh, even her role in Civil War, too. There, there's a yeah. lot more that you can do with the character. I think, um, I mean, honest, honestly, I didn't get to see the trailer today. I was at work. but um, It looks good. I'm thinking they're going more of a prequel route. Yeah. Or we're getting her backstory. Right. It looks really good. Um, Togo. We got some news on Togo today. We have a poster for it. That's going straight to Disney+. And I'm so excited that Willem Dafoe is the Disney prince we never knew we needed. I didn't know and I didn't ask for it, but we have it. I could river dance. Very good reference. Congratulations to you. <laughs> oh, let's see. What else dropped today? Oh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, if you're a fan of the parks. We were just down there a couple of weeks ago, sitting at the Chinese Theater, wondering when is this thing going to open? Well, now we know it's March of 2020. Don't rush, guys. Yeah, take your time. You got an entire land open before this one ride came out. This better blow my freaking mind. Seriously. For what they took away to put it in, this better be the best ride ever. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, having just been at the parks and 
you get those Disney channels that you can watch where you can watch Stacy on loop, and then they have um, like company highlights and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying past must do Disney. They have a company channel where you can see behind yes. the scenes of some of their movies, and then the they have a stockholder channel exactly, and then they have <laughs> a cartoon channel. And we watched a bunch of those new Mickey Mouse shorts, and I have They're to say funny. they are pretty funny. They're a little Ren and Stimpy, which is sort of weird, but in a way they kind of harken back to what Mickey Mouse used to be when he was kind of mischievous. I don't care. We could have had another year of the great movie ride for as long as it's taken to open this ride. I mean, they gutted everything. I mean, we're going to know soon enough why it took so long. But Galaxy's Edge went up in less time. And we have uh, Rise of the Resistance is opening this week, too. Right. Rising uh, uh, It's opening on Thursday. Wednesday, they're doing a media preview. Wish we were there. I was going to say, God forbid they got that out last month. That would have been nice. And then, uh, what, what is it? A Day at Disney? One Day at Disney? Yes, that dropped today. It is both a book uh, and it's on Disney Plus and it gives you a look at what goes on at a day in the life of Disney, but just not just the parks, it's beyond the parks. It's Broadway, it's the Disney stores, it's it's every kind of of cast member that works there, and we get to take a peek at what they do every day. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I think we're going to have to watch that one tonight. Definitely. Certainly tonight. If not by tonight, definitely by tomorrow. And we have a winner of our contest that we have been running for the last few weeks. Yes, while we were in Walt Disney World, we put together a little prize pack, which includes a limited release holiday pin, uh, which we got while we were at the taping of the Christmas Parade, Disney Channel Christmas, a whole bunch of Christmas tapings that will be used, and we're not even sure where our face is going to be. Yeah, there's like three we'll or four specials that they taped. Uh, so we got that. We got some park maps. We got some lays from the opening of Ron John uh, at, Disney at Disney Springs. Springs. And I think that was about it. I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of things in there. We just threw it all in a bag. And somebody is going to win that bag. We've pulled the winner. Now, as a reminder, to enter to win this prize pack, you had to leave us a review on Facebook or on your podcast platform of choice. Or you could have done it on both and had multiple entries. And so we pulled the winner. And... I'm so I have to, I do have to laugh at this one. It is a username. And I'd love to know what it is that you are making in your kitchen because New York Flava Chick. That's Flava F L A V A like Flava Flav. I wonder if New York Flava Chick has the big clock on her bling. Maybe so, New York Flavor Chick, please get in touch with us with your contact information, and we will send that prize pack out to you. But don't fret, because there were quite a few people that left reviews. Here's surprise number two. We had a second prize pack that you didn't know about. And that's all I'm going to say right now. Keep tuning in for the next couple of weeks. We're going to give you a little bit more information on that second prize pack that's up for grabs. If you left a review, you're entered to win. If you haven't left a review yet, please make sure that you do. And while you're at it, share the podcast with your friends, your family. If you know people who love Disney, who love these films, we would love to expose the show to them. And we'd love to hear from them, too. Again, you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. Or send us an email, uh, monorealradio at gmail.com. I think we should give them a little hint. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you you know that when we do our reviews, we usually like to do lead-ins to big releases. And that's what your prize pack has to do with. So that's all I'm going to say. We're going to leave it right there. But the prize pack did come from Walt Disney World, much like the other prize pack. And if you are looking to go to Walt Disney World, 
maybe you haven't figured out the perfect holiday gift yet, and you would love to stuck, stuff the stockings with a Magic Your Way ticket. Do they even call them that anymore? I don't know. Maybe you want to put a magic band in that stocking stuffer. Jackie can be your Noel. Jackie <laughs> can be your Santa Claus. I'll be your Disney Claus. Um, no, seriously, that is a really popular thing to do is surprise the kiddos on Christmas morning. And I seriously would love to even play a small role in that. I think that would be so much fun. So I can book your trip and you don't have to tell the kiddos. I will handle everything. They won't see any of it at all whatsoever because I am with Magical Vacation Planner, which is a Disney concierge service. We assist you with booking. Um, they did just release some deals for early 2020. So please feel free to get in touch with me at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Or you can hit us up on our social media and I will respond to you directly through there. And I'd happily jump on a trip. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping for me yet, anybody out there, I'd be happy to jump on one of those trips too. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs>